as long as you can get there, you can shoot and just make it look amazing. The production mm. quality is just there. Right. Because that's what Mexico is. is yeah. It has so much potential, and mm. I wanted to show it through my film. My name is Wes Gibbons, and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with Lucy Artigas. Lucy is in pre-production for her senior thesis film, Aflote, which is a coming-of-age film about brotherhood, family, and sacrifice. We discussed the inception of this story, the pros and cons of filming on location in Mexico, and her dreams for a more culturally interconnected film community. There's a link to Lucy's fundraising campaign in the description of this episode. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Episode 45 of the Tungsten Originals podcast. Lucy, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Going great. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. Of course. This is going to be fun. Um, For context, we are in the middle of finals week. Yes, we are. So it's a busy time. It's Sunday before <laughs> finals week. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm like backlogging episodes right now. So I've got another interview later today and like three this week or something. So it's a busy week. But Lucy, we are in senior one together. That's our first class that we've taken together, right? Yes, it has been. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I knew you before because you worked on like Kara's gra- Gathered Today. We met on this Indiegogo Oh, campaign. yeah. Oh, wow. That just gave me like a rush of memory. Yeah. <laughs> it's That was so long ago. You helped me film this indie, uh, the pitch video for an Indiegogo campaign for an MFA thesis, mm-hmm. for a grad thesis. I think it was a passion project. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess it was a passion project, but it was for a grad student. And then they, it was like only for $1,000. We got the, uh, like, we got enough money in like 24 hours, which I was really proud of because I was the one managing it. And then they dropped a hard drive and the film never got done. And yeah, that was like my first, like, big film ever i was asked yeah. to be a pa um, oh so you actually worked on set okay. yeah so i gotcha. was the pa so they called me like they thought it was like that real pa like get us coffee get us a prince like oh, we're wow. doing this can you come yeah so i was like i think the boom up there oh, while you were okay. shooting for yeah. that and then during set i was supposed to hold the umbrella for <laughs> the actor because we were in a rooftop in the middle right. of may in the middle of savannah yeah and then their crew was kind of short Mm. Staffed and we were kind of moved around, and I ended yeah. up being second AC with oh, the wow. DG Ball. That's a jump up. Yeah, I was very proud. This nice. it was like my big film, and everybody was amazing, and I learned so yeah. much. It was made by some really good people. I just think, I mean, it was just an accident. A photo of hard drive got dropped, and they lost everything. Um, but yeah, wow, that feels like so long ago. <laughs> but that's where we like first officially met because we filmed that video. On top of a parking garage. Yeah, there was a theme on jumping <laughs> yeah. off bu- yeah. tall buildings. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, we're taking Senior One together right now, which is uh, pre-production for our senior thesis films. And um, you are in pre-production for your senior thesis film, Flote, which uh, is loosely inspired by your time in Mexico. But before we dive into that, I want to dive into you and how you ended up in this seat right in front of me. So you are from Mexico, correct? Yeah. Where I'm from in Mexico? Guadalajara, Mexico. Okay, gotcha. So um, what was your childhood like? Are your family super artistic? Were you the odd one out being the one filmmaking daughter? <laughs> you <laughs> well, know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a single child and my dad is an architect and mm-hmm. my mom is an accounting businesswoman. 
So I'm kind of half and half. That's why I like like directing and producing. Right. I, I get that. It's like from, the logistics and the creative. Yeah. And my dad's family is built of all architects and artists. Oh, wow. So my grandfather was an architect. Mm -hmm. My father's an architect. All his brothers, my uncles, my cousins, everybody's on that design and Man. art kind of Architects craft. are smart folk. Yeah, so he is like not the mathematical type of architect. He's like right. the creative okay. and hates like he doesn't structure. like structure. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. he he is organized. Like we are all very OCD in my right. family, but um, but yeah, he's kind of like the spread spread head like mm -hmm. everywhere. He's I don't know the type of guy. That's where I get my kind of dispersed brain. Yeah. Um, and my mom is like the organized one mm -hmm. who keeps us in track and all that. Right. Okay. Um, but my dad wanted to be a filmmaker when he was really young. Really? Okay. And we have amazing home tape videos that he has done with his friends mm -hmm. uh, back in Mexico City. So I think I get it from him. Yeah. Um, he was the one who introduced me into like cinema. When okay. I was young, gotcha. Um, through Indiana Jones and all the good Spielberg movies. Oh wow! So the real truth of why I'm a filmmaker is because I wanted to be like Indiana Jones. Really? Yeah. So oh, wow. I love history. My dad is a big history guy. We just talk about history all the yeah. time. And when I watched the movies, I just wanted to be. A pa an archaeologist and you know discover mummies and yeah. save the world but <laughs> that is not that's true that's amazing I love that so I mean I actually put that on my statement of purpose when I came to Scott it's like oh, I wanted to be like Indiana Jones yeah. Yeah. and then I discovered that that's not something you <laughs> can exists. actually do but he's a movie so I realized right. that I wanted to do movies Yeah. but simultaneously I always did theater in elementary school Okay. I did singing I did like dancing so like arts were always there. Yeah, and so your parents were very encouraging of you pursuing that. Yeah, okay. yeah, they were always supported in everything I do. Mm -hmm. They have been like, just the people that have pushed me to do what I love and right. just being caring and yeah. everything. When I was really little, I used to just climb stuff. <laughs> just everything? Yeah, everything, and then just like throw myself to them. <laughs> Without any warning, just like the warning of like I'm flying yeah. to your arms, Here I and come. they that's amazing. Yeah, and they have to be that. like ready, right? Or I would have like fall down. I think that's where <laughs> my trust issues come from. Like <laughs> I trusted too much in right. them, right? Um, so that's that's, that's amazing. So were you making uh like little DIY short films and sketches when you were really young? I didn't actually. Okay. I had never really done the type of film like you know there's some film kids that are like oh sketches but yeah um the first time i, I touched camera like they gave me this little camera for christmas and mm -hmm. i did like my barbies and stuff with my friend right. yeah. it was terrible so i was like okay we won't touch that ever again <laughs> i don't have that you knew to... like in the moment you're like that this that this was not the quality that you wanted yeah that's really i was funny. too demanding and i was like okay well we'll just keep doing like theater like live performance is okay. better because like i can't i can't deal with the camera right i mean it probably has potential but right <laughs> but it was it was rough yeah so i kind of just continue doing more um kind of projects like okay. putting on management of theater mm -hmm. like kind of script um did you did you end up moving to the uh behind the scenes roles of like being stage managers 
Well, my school like was so small that they didn't have really a theater program. Right. It was just like Christmas musicals. Oh, okay. Um, but my school started doing kind of the comedy for events mm -hmm. and like putting up the events and that management. Yeah. So I kind of geared it towards that, like okay. leadership positions. Like we had the Valentine's Fair or like the carnivals mm -hmm. or just fundraisers for right. other stuff. And that's kind of where I went into just... So, yeah. So, are you more partial to the planning or the being on stage? Um, well, I love being on stage. Really? I love okay. singing when I, when I was in elementary school. But then yeah. you went to that middle school phase where you, like, don't like yourself. And everyone's like a bully. <laughs> yeah. Well, my friends were the bullies. It was funny. Like, no one bullied me that much. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I was too kind. <laughs> right, that's true. That's but true. Um, but yeah, so we didn't have plays or anything during middle school. So right. like, I was like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Um, so it was like, oh, I've been planning. It's kind of being on the spot. Yeah. Behind yeah. the scenes. Thinking so. on your feet type thing. Yeah. So yeah. when did you decide that you wanted to go to film school? Like when did you start zeroing in on the idea of, so you enjoy planning events you enjoy aspects of performance but i mean some people would assume like oh you're going to go into performing arts because that's like a an obvious move but like why zero in on film yeah. and especially film school specifically so what really got me was like okay i cannot be indiana jones um <laughs> that's a movie i want to do movies right and i want to act on them because i did theater and i loved it yeah but i didn't want it to be an old actor i didn't want it to like play old roles i wanted to be forever young and i was like that can't happen because like you need to get good to be right there and that requires aging so i was like how <laughs> i just didn't imagine myself on screen okay but i love performing and an actor so i thought like okay what about being behind the scenes like crafting the movie right, right. i i was a natural storyteller like i would tell stories so mm -hmm. that was kind of even before wanting to be indiana jones like right I would just always be talking. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, okay, so I like the arts mm -hmm. performance. I like telling stories. And then it was during middle school that my a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, his name is Slav. He's Russian, but he's more Mexican than anything or anyone that I have ever it's met. It's a very Russian name. Very, yeah. His <laughs> name is Slav Beloyarov. Um, if you ever hear that, I love you very much. And he started getting into camera work. He okay. started shooting weddings and he just got all the YouTube experience you can right. ever find for um, videographers. Mm -hmm. And he started kind of influencing me on looking at like through the lens and how life right. is that. And I like taking pictures, but like mm. as, I'm not tech avi. So mm -hmm. um, it was kind of our, that combination of that. And I was like, okay, well, I think filmmaking brings everything together it's yeah it's like the combination of everything so it was like in my um freshman year of high school that i was like okay i have this existential crisis of <laughs> i don't know what i want to study because yeah the paleontologist archaeologist type of thing is going to end up going to be teaching maybe oh right yeah and i cannot be indiana jones and i don't want to be an old actor <laughs> Or actress. Yeah. So I want to be behind the scenes. 
making films because I love films anyways, and I、right. like telling stories. So、right. that's not as inspiring <laughs> as like anyone that is like, oh, I discovered the camera, it landed in my hand. I don't. I mean, But, I don't、yeah. think you should worry about how inspiring it is. I think it's always interesting to see how people fall into it. So I think that's really interesting. So. When it, so you find out about SCAD, and something that I'm always interested in whenever I,、uh, specifically at SCAD, meet people who are from other countries and obviously came to the U.S. to go to SCAD, because、uh, that's just obviously an experience that I have no basis for what that experience is like and can't relate to at all.、Um, is it a big deal to go to other countries to study? Because if someone in my home high school is like, I'm going to Europe or I'm going to Canada or I'm going to wherever, everyone's like, Oh wow, they're doing that. That's crazy. But like, how common is it? Like, whenever you told your parents, like, I want to go to SCAD, were they like, No? <laughs> or like, I just that whole experience. Like, what is that like? Yeah. So、um, Mexico has really good schools. Okay.、Um, the education in Mexico is free、um, by、oh, the wow. constitution. And my city Guadalajara has one of the best like colleges, and it's for free. And Guillermo del Toro actually went to school. He's from my city.、Guillermo. Wow! So he went to the Universidad de Guadalajara、mm-hmm. in the f- school of filmmaking because it's okay. So by, yeah, it's just, okay. So it's really good. So when、right. I decided that I wanted to go into filmmaking, I was like, okay, maybe I can, you know, consider yeah, this. Especially with him coming out of there, right? But my dad didn't wanted me to go like to public school. Um, and then the private schools, schools there, although they were good, they are not the same environment that you live in the states. Like having、mm. a dorm or having the opportunity to be independent, you are like an extension of high school. You go、oh. from your parents' house to your classroom, and then back to your parents' right, house. Right. Okay.、And、It's not the college experience. Right. And、yeah. as a very、um, creative person. That I am、mm-hmm. obsessed with movies. Right. I wanted to have that experience that I have seen in the movies of、oh, wow. going to college, having my dorm, having my roommate. Yeah. And be like going to the classes、mm-hmm. that I'm like in the campus in the states or wherever it、yeah. was. So I started looking into schools in the states. But the truth is that I did Equestrian. So that's how it fits. Oh. So、gotcha. because you know I'm very. Like I'm a history nerd. I love、right. all that type of、um, things. So I did fencing. I did a question, and that was kind of like where I discovered some amazing people.、Mm-hmm. And on my fencing team,、um, I had two friends who actually went to film school.、Mm-hmm. So now that I think about it, through fencing, I kind of found the answer of like who I was.、Gotcha. I was like, okay, I'm preparing myself to be a next round any film. Like I can, like do. <laughs> I can do any. I can have all these、fighting. special skills. Yeah. Yeah. So、okay. I was like, this group of people,、um, these two friends, like gave me another perspective on like how to use film as a professional career. Because like,、mm. of course, people don't see it as something that you actually can live from, or like you're gonna become a starving artist.、Mm-hmm. So I started looking into schools in the states. Through the Equestrian Federation, gotcha.、Um, because I thought I could get a scholarship because、mm-hmm. I was winning some awards and I was very passionate about just horseback riding. So I didn't want it to stop 
as I went to college because it was going to get demanding. But if I had it in the school, then maybe I can continue. So I looked everywhere and all the schools were like for biology or mm -hmm. for agronomy. And I was like, okay, I'm tired. I want an art school that has a question. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> so I and Googled. Then you find scared. Yeah. So I Googled. I put in to Google like school with a question team and film and television <laughs> and click search and there was one search result and oh, it was the SCAD website it was and I okay. had already looked at so many websites mm -hmm. but SCAD had the best one like they had right. all the programs of study all the classes they had like a description for each class mm -hmm. and they were having interviews in Mexico City two months from then oh, so wow. I like went to my advisor with all my paperwork it's like how can i get to this school yeah and we researched and the only kind of requirements that were outstanding was like the english proficiency mm -hmm. and i had been in my school and my very small school mm -hmm. since uh kindergarten and so it was been 12 years of just american english education and that was what they require or the sat scores oh yeah and i definitely didn't want to take an exam because as yes, i just I said <laughs> i had never changed schools so i had never been on that position to do a big standardized test right so i was i'm from this school they have horses they have film mm -hmm. they're in a small town where i can bike ride from class to class yeah and they had this study abroad program in class france a mm -hmm. medieval town that's full of history. Like, could it be more perfect? Yeah, so it worked out. Uh, I don't want to like sell SCAD, but like I right. actually do that for a living because I'm an ambassador. Right. <laughs> um, but I do truly love it here. Mm -hmm. um, just the experiences that I have had. Mm -hmm. So it was Google who brought me to right. SCAD. Right, shout out to Google. Same for me. Yeah. Um, so how, what was that transition like? Um, so yeah, my, I'm a single child, as right. I said. My parents were like freaking out on like, <laughs> why are you leaving us we have given you everything <laughs> um there's so many good schools here but they were very proud of me on trying to be independent and they have always seen my level of maturity so they didn't feel afraid that i was gonna like steer away from what they have right. taught me throughout the years so they were um kind of supportive mm -hmm. um they took me to the interview they accepted me right away because I had all my paperwork. Oh, nice. And they were like, oh, okay. I just wanted to go to talk face-to-face -face with them. But right. I had everything. So they were like, your letter of acceptance is going to come in the mail next month. Congrats. And my dad didn't realize that I was actually leaving home until uh, we were here, mm. fall of 2016, dropping off yeah. my luggage on the dorm of Turner House. And that's when he was like, oh, man, like, I didn't believe this was actually happening. I was just there saying yes right. and signing off on tuition. But yeah. it was kind of hard for him because we kind of get along a little more mm -hmm. um, than him and my mom. Mm -hmm. so it's very funny, like, what they do now. They, like, go out all the time because they don't have much to do. Right. And they're like, oh, now we're going to the it's movies. It's like empty nest. They have an empty nest. Yeah. yeah so, but it all works out, you know. <laughs> so I'm very happy um, that they were there for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's obviously super-duper important. Um, I want to talk about your senior film, uh, since that is, you know, the whole reason that you are here. That is the culmination of your film school studies. Tell me about the story and if you could give like a quick log line, you know, explaining what the story is about and then um, how you're inspired to write the story. Yeah, so my film is titled A Flote, which is a float in Spanish. 
And it's about two brothers that are growing up faster than expected to keep their family afloat. Mm, nice, to that's support good. their family. Right. Um, and it follows their struggle as they try to repair the old boat of their father who had recently passed away the, la the winter before. Mm -hmm. And how the youngest one is coming to terms for the news of the departure of his brother who's planning to leave to the city to work so they can actually support the family because mm -hmm. the boat is not working. And we focus on Jorge, the youngest, as he comes to terms with his responsibility and his role in the family. And mm -hmm. this is just a story about maturity and okay. how sometimes we need to accept things that are out of our control and how we come to terms with that. Mm -hmm. So when did you start writing this? So it's, it's a been funny a while, story. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I've been producing for the past three years. I've been in SCAD because that project management skills right. that I have. Um, and we couldn't find a house for a film that I was shooting in the winter. Mm -hmm. And it has been a struggle to find locations ever since. Like it's always a um, hard thing to do. Right. So I was just very stressed and I was joking next to a couple of friends and I was like, it's probably going to be easier to find something in Mexico. <laughs> I bet I can do that for my thesis. So my very good friend George was there. At the time, we were just like acquaintance. And right. he pops out of the little place where he was hiding um, at the cage in SFS. And oh, he's like, right. I'm going to shoot it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I want to be your DP. And I'm like, there's there's not a script. There's nothing. <laughs> this is just a joke. Right. And he's like, well... Um, I wanna, I wanna go to Mexico and I wanna shoot your film. I'm like, well, I'll let you know when I have a story. Yeah, exactly. But you have to like it. And yeah. he's like, okay, we'll get, get into it, right? Get yeah. started into writing it. But it was five months after, and I couldn't think of anything. Like, right. if we were going to Mexico, we had to do a story that was worth it. Yeah. Um. So, all of a sudden, while I was on set on a very sunny day and an exterior shoot. Um, I thought of the ranch of my great-grandfather. Mm -hmm. And this is a place that has been receiving us every summer with our family reunions and just a very um, amazing place that has a special place in my heart. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what if we shoot there? Like, there's so much space to like house this crew right. and so much extension of landscape to shoot. Like, I want to tell a story here. And I was, what? what about like, my uncle memoir he wrote a book about his life and how he struggled but also succeeded mm. in the rural early 1900s in mm -hmm. mexico so i was like there's a story there and i want to discover it so hmm. i called up george and was like hey i got it <laughs> i have an idea let's meet sunday um and then i told him like i run 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 him through my idea mm -hmm. and he's like okay great um you need to write the script. I'm like, oh, okay, I mean, but but I have the, the idea. And he's right. like, no, no, like you need to write it. Yeah. So in his blessing, I went back home to <laughs> Mexico and I, I took three months like trying to figure it out um, mm. all summer, just trying to write yeah. a story inspired on my uncle's memoirs. Mm. But um, I didn't want, I couldn't just, you know, do something that justified like this honest story that he has wrote, uh, written. I didn't mm. feel prepared to tell 
a, a biopic for him. Right. So, and that wouldn't give me as much creative freedom or problem solving because we are young and we're going to make mistakes. And right. I was like, okay, let's just take it away yeah. and doing its own. So that's okay. how this story c- took place. It was just rooted on his life as a childhood, growing up in the right. rural life. And we made it, it's, Oh, it's no. kind of like tangential to that. Yeah. So and, did you ever ask, did you ever talk to him? Yeah. So I called him up. It's like, hey, so I'm going to my senior year. And he has become a very important person. So my mm-hmm. uncle, his name is Samuel Saliver. And he had an incredible story. This mm-hmm. might be a, a podcast of its own. Right. We talk about him. Yeah. But um, he wrote his stories inspired on my great-grandfather who also mm. wrote his story. So there's two books right. with memories of the ranch mm. and kind of both of them are an inspiration for this film. Um, but I call my uncle who's still alive. <laughs> so he is in the States because he moved from the ranch mm-hmm. to America by the invitation of this missionary who found him mm. um, on a small like rural school that he went to um, as he was in his strive for education, he mm-hmm. kind of moved from place to place looking to succeed. And that's kind of how he got involved with this missionary who invited him to come to the States and, you know, transcend. Gotcha. And that's where it comes from. And that's why it's rooted to me because I want to tell a story about leaving home right. and maturing. Yeah. So through that, I thought that was going to be an interesting point. Mm-hmm. of you as my capstone tell a story that right. relates to me even though it's said in the 1980s but yeah so that's another interesting thing is that it's um it's a period piece which when most people think about period pieces they think like oh it's renaissance times or something like really far back but you know if you're not shooting and and it doesn't look like 2019 then technically it's still a period piece um i think it's really interesting how you like you kind of assessed what you had, and then you built the story around it. Like, I thought shooting in Mexico was the decision, like, the second decision made. But I think it's cool that that was the first decision that you made. So whenever you realize, like, okay, we're going to shoot in Mexico, we want to use the ranch, we want it inspired by my uncle's story, also inspired by my story, why keep it in the 80s? Yeah, so... Because that's just, like, even aside from an artistic choice, as you know, as an event planner that makes your life so much harder because that means everything in the frame has to look like it existed in the 1980s. So that's just like a whole other thing to think about. So why why, why keep it to that? Yeah, so I think even though the life in a rural town in Mexico might look the same today, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. I'm not familiar with that life, mm-hmm. but I am familiar with the memories that I can read on my uncle's book and those were said back in the 1960s, 1970s. Gotcha. Um, that also the ranch is kind of stuck in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything there right. is 1980s yeah, already. Okay. And when we went location scouting this summer, because... Yeah, you, you did uh, some we, early pre-production work. Yeah, we did that. Um, we realized that kind of that's what fit the story. Okay. Um, so it's set in the 1920s. Uh, no, in, in the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> set in the 1980s because of how that ranch looks like gotcha. right now. Um, wow. It's telling the story of how this place was left um, because a lot of my family started leaving by that time, the ranch. Oh, okay. Because, um, you know, rural life is kind of something that's staying 
back in time. People are moving yeah. to the city. So that's kind of an interesting thing. And that's what the story explores mm-hmm. as one of the lead characters, Felipe, is leaving his home yeah. because that's kind of inadequate. You know, like... Yeah, he wants more. He wants more and mm-hmm. that's what's happening. Like yeah. the rural life is becoming a thing of the past. Right. Uh, although there's still like rural communities, of course, but the actual like farming fishing doing all that is just staying in the past and right. i wanted to explore a little bit more it's like a slice of life of what used to be right but it helps us know where we're going if we know our past yeah. we know where we're going absolutely and that's why it's a period piece also <laughs> one of the elements of the stories that um is set during the 1986 world cup that happened in oh, mexico right. yeah, yeah yeah so there's this uh beat where the youngest character Jorge really wants to watch the game mm-hmm. that day and that's kind of why he's very distracted and doesn't want to help fix yeah. the boat because he's obsessed with going to see the final game and his brother's like well I'm leaving we need to fix this right now and he kind of they get in this co- uh, conflict mm-hmm. and he kind of runs away and we kind of I want to make the audience think that he's going to see the game, but he's actually like running through the streets to try to catch the guy that on the uh, warehouse and um, try to catch the mm-hmm. shop for buying the tools. Oh um, right, yeah. Yeah, so he's trying to get there on time before they close the shop, and if you can just hear the audio of like yeah. the broadcast yeah. live and I wanted that emotion of like you're leaving your childhood behind to do something mm-hmm. bigger to help right. your family. Right. So, so yeah. I want to dive into shooting uh in Mexico and the logistics of it because that is just a whole other hurdle <laughs> of your process. Because I mean I'm hoping to shoot in my hometown uh for my thesis film but people don't have to have passports to, <laughs> to, to go to Mississippi. So I think everyone in, in our senior one class was like, okay, yeah, absolutely shoot it in Mexico. You have to shoot it in Mexico. This is going to look amazing. Um, so obviously, like, the reasons are there. Um, but what are some of the major hurdles of transporting your cast and crew to Mexico? And what has been your process for tackling those? Yeah, so... After George said, yes, let's shoot this, Mm -hmm. we had our meeting. He was already pulling out a rental equipment websites for Mexico and my city, Guadalajara. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, (laughs) I was imagining this, like, skeleton crew. We shoot it with, like, a nice DSLR. And it's all exteriors. That's why I wrote it like that. So we don't have to deal with lights. And then... What I love about George is that he takes us a project from zero to a hundred really fast. Yeah, because he's so professional and he's ready to um, just tackle any project. So I was like, okay, well, I, I will have to see. Let's um, understand the story first. And he's like, yeah, it's all about shooting for the beats, but also hmm. I want to shoot in the Alexa. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, oh boy. but like, what other camera can we use? Yeah. And I know by a fact that the C300 has been abroad from SCAD, so something that I love. Mm-hmm. And one of my biggest hesitation is like, why am I walking away from free, like world one equipment? Right. Like, why am I walking from free equipment yeah. and shooting in Mexico? Right. But it was because of the story. Yeah. So it was like, let's ask for the C300 and maybe we can bring it down and then we'll just get the grip and electric down there. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so that was the initial plan. And then George is like, okay, well, I need to location scout. 
And I'm like, okay, well, um, let's see. I'll write the script. Right. If you like it, we'll pay for the tickets and you'll come. And I'm like, you just want to go to Mexico, man. <laughs> and he's like, for sure. But no, he was right. We needed to scout. We needed to like see yeah. the like the facilities, what mm-hmm. what we had there, and if it was impossible or if we had a right. chance. So midsummer, uh, he flew down there, um, okay. and we traveled around the town because, mm-hmm. like, I live in Guadalajara, but the story takes place in Los Nogales, Zacatecas, which mm-hmm. is a three-hour road trip away from my city in the middle of nowhere. So we went there, we scouted, and we decided what equipment was adequate to make the story right. happen. Yeah. Um, and then we went to the closest city, which is Zacatecas, the capital of the state, okay. and they didn't have any like film-related mm. uh, facilities, uh, Cinetech, which is more mm. like geared to old films of the uh, 1980s okay. as right. well, like nine, like early 1900s. Yeah. Um, wear store there, but they don't have any like equipment. But yeah. I met with them. I bonded. I I met people from the broadcasting because they have like no TV, yeah, uh, news and stuff. And I got some contacts, but no one really with film equipment. Hmm. Um, but out of nowhere, like you know, you meet someone in the street, and you see a photographer for weddings, and you ask someone, and <laughs> they connect you with someone else. So we end up getting this guy who has uh, his own like film equipment. He has been shooting hmm. some independent films there, so. Um, it's been kind of a hustle because, like, I don't know if right. this guy is going to take us for real, but he's like, yeah, my equipment is here. Once you come back in the winter, we'll talk about it more. But we have that possibility. So still without okay. equipment. Um, so that's something you're still that. figuring it out. Yeah. So that's our, you, still our process. Okay. Did you talk to SCAD about bringing down a camera? Yeah. So the second thing is the camera, the C300 that I mm-hmm. intended, Right. Um, it's actually something that we can get because our first DC, Lyle, um, and a great friend of George mm-hmm. is going to be coming with us and mm-hmm. he's doing his camera. So he has a C300. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So Sweet. we will be using his camera. Nice. Um, he's going to be flying with us. So the skeleton crew involves mm-hmm. RDP, our first AC, my first AD, um, one of the producers um, who's from Mexico as well. Okay. Uh, his name is Gaston Benitez. And our editor... Um, who's also her thesis, my roommate, Sarah Ropel, amazing woman. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's coming with us and maybe our sound person. Mm -hmm. Um, I reach out to this girl, Soraya Rose. She's amazing. And I have been meaning to work with her since freshman year. Mm -hmm. She has her own equipment and knows some Spanish. And I know she's amazing. She wants to be location sound as her like career of choice. Right. Okay. So uh, that's our skeleton crew who's flying there. Gotcha. Um, and then, yeah, grip and electric people we're going to get locally. Um, okay. Art department, we are also hiring local locals. And then we are getting the cast from there. Yeah, I want to talk about casting. So it's three characters, three mm-hmm. leads. So it's the two brothers and then, the, and then the, uh, there's a short scene with the mother as well. Um, is there like the infrastructure to... Uh, host casting calls and stuff like that. Like, what what are the issues that you're facing with that? I sound like Professor Luba right now. I sound like our senior one professor. <laughs> but seriously, like, what are those? Like, how do you even begin to do that? Yeah. So um, when we were talking with the Cinetech, they were like, "We can help you with casting. We can help okay. you with all that." But that, of course, might involve some money, and also yeah. I don't know how connections will work. Like, if 
email is reliable, you know, I prefer mm. being there. For so sure. So yeah. what I want to try is once I'm there, I'm going to connect with schools that are perform like have performing oh, arts. Right. Okay. Um, reach out to the colleges. And I do have a friend uh, back home who's like dabbling into acting. She's actually uh, booked two uh, shows already. She has been mm. in TV on the local channels. So mm. I wanted her to help me. Yeah. But she's also really busy with her thesis because like we're... We used to be in high school together, so we're in okay. the same thing. So it's interesting to see how she has been dealing with the time of film industry down there. Right. Um, so it was kind of nice. That's why I wanted to go and shoot in Mexico my thesis. Right. One reason because, like, the story that I wanted to tell happened there and also kind of putting my foot in the door if I end up going back back home. Okay, gotcha. Um, but, yeah, so, we can talk about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, casting. So my friend offer her help as a casting director but mm -hmm. it's just been hard with school and with distance to kind of contact her mm -hmm. and um, I will just wait until I get home in a week to yeah. start casting it's and... convenient that you're that we have break right now <laughs> right yeah. so kind of that's why the calendar of production had it there because mm -hmm. I did thought of casting some SCAT students just for the reason that I can rehearse with them all yeah. winter quarter that's true but I haven't had good luck uh, finding someone that I kind of like. Mm -hmm. uh, there's amazing talent and oh, there's two kids that really get the characters, mm -hmm. but they don't they don't speak Spanish. Yeah, and now it's kind that of important. Yeah, the script is in English just for means of people understanding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they read it, they read the lines with the heart, but it just. But the dialogue will all be in Spanish, right? Yeah, so yeah. the story's in Spanish and so kind of, it makes Kind it of important. <laughs> so if they cannot read the lines, then yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. I mean, the script is still on rewrites. We never know. If, if it becomes yeah. very visual and, like, they just need to say two words, maybe. <laughs> but, um, but then again, that, that just goes back to staying true to the source material of the idea. Yeah, but I'm know? the type of person that has plan Bs. <laughs> Right, that's good. That, so I, it's that's good to nice. have those in the film. Um, um, I want to talk about your fundraising because um, you're kind of uh, you're tackling it in an interesting way. Because again, you're faced with this interesting problem of trying to shoot in a different country, and you know, some uh, something that you you know were speaking to me about whenever we were like exchanging ideas on fundraising is that not every platform. Like if you did an Indiegogo, then you're friends and family back in Mexico maybe couldn't donate because of banks and all that, you know, weird back-end financial stuff. So you're launching an Indiegogo on the 20th of November. That's going to be up for 60 days. And that's for your American friends and family, correct? Yeah. So okay. we kind of had a conflict where when do we want to do this campaign? Yeah. Um, I initially wanted to do it during the film festival to get all uh, those new connections right. to fundraise. But the script has gone through so many rewrites mm -hmm. and I have been so busy and caught up with some work yeah. as well as my other team members that we didn't feel comfortable releasing it then. Mm -hmm. And we are still a little doubtful of releasing it now in November, but I didn't mm -hmm. want it to miss out on the opportunity of Thanksgiving and Christmas coming right. up and wait until next year. And also next year seems to be cutting it short for production. Right. So I was like, let's just release a intimate, effective campaign that mm -hmm. we can send out to friends and family that I have here in the States mm -hmm. and do it an Indiegogo campaign mm -hmm. um, where people can start like giving us um, some money to mm -hmm. make this film happen. 
Um, so that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. We do have enough content and material to make this platform look excellent and right. um, let the story come across. And we are building our social media mm -hmm. to start like telling you all that we did in the summer yeah, with that exactly. location scout. Yeah. Um, just our department has been doing their designs and the color palette is looking fantastic. So we have enough to tell people what this project is about, mm -hmm. which is the important part. And then if they want to give us some money, then it's going to be from the heart and right. not about how bright we are on our pitch video. Right, exactly. And so, then and then in 2020, you're doing a Kickstarter, and that's for your family and friends back in Mexico, correct? Yeah. So yeah. if I didn't collect enough good Christmas money, my plan <laughs> right. is to uh, launch like a part two fundraiser right. with like that cool like pitch video and mm -hmm. some previous and concept art and all that good stuff that can reach out to a larger audience. Mm -hmm. So that's the plan for 2020. Right. Okay. Perfect. Um, the Indiegogo, I'm pretty sure my dates are so messed up. I'm pretty sure this will be out whenever the Indiegogo will be out. So whenever you're listening to this episode, the first link in the description will be Lucy's Indiegogo campaign. So go check it out. Give her some money. It's going to be a really fun project. Um, so that's like kind of the best way to support it. But real quick, um, you talked about how you wanted to like get your foot in the door in the Mexican film industry. What's your dream for graduation? Uh, and like your career and stuff. Are you try, are you hoping to go back to Mexico? Would you rather stay in the U.S. and like move to you know L.A. or New York or Atlanta or something like that? Or what's what's the idea for um, the Lucy Artigas dream trademark? Yeah. So <laughs> my dream when I decided to come to film school was to study film in America because mm -hmm. that's where the industry is. Right. But I wanted to eventually go back home and help the industry in Mexico grow. Yeah. So I didn't want it just to stay abroad, but bring it home, bring hmm. every knowledge that I gain and try to grow the industry. But yeah. in my four time, my four years here in SCAD, I have noticed that the industry has grown as I'm like away. So oh, gotcha. after Roma, after all oh, these yeah. um, amazing directors, Mexican directors taking away all the Oscars, <laughs> um, people have noticed in Mexico that are like, hey, we are filmmakers. We can do this. Yeah. Let's show the world. So I have been seeing this industry peaking and mm. I don't want to like stay behind. So I thought right. that by shooting my film in Mexico, I could say, hey, I have experience both right. shooting here and shooting there. I don't want to miss the opportunity to like catch that roller coaster that's going up with them. Mm -hmm. And also, hmm. I just wanted to tell a story that say something about me. Right. Because um, that's where all the Mexican directors started. They shot their yeah. film first in Mexico and then they continue with amazing Hollywood productions. Mm -hmm. And although I love producing big shows, mm -hmm. I like to tell short and intimate stories yeah so that's when what pushed me to do that and i want to prove with this film that there's a possibility to be shooting film as a foreign independent filmmaker in mexico because of the prices so it's economical to shoot in mexico because mm. of our currency so mm. i want to make this kind of a test okay. that can prove 
filmmakers like you mm-hmm. who know me or my team that's coming with right. me that it is possible to go abroad and maybe mm-hmm. shoot for less. So all these independent films gotcha. that are being made are trying to move from LA to Georgia because of the tax incentive. Yeah. So I want to prove with my film that, hey, we can have local crew for less. Mm-hmm. We can have amazing locations for less if we just take a plane and go down right. to shooting in Mexico. As long as you can get there. As long as you can get there. And as long as you can get there, you can shoot and just make it look amazing. The production mm. quality is just there. Right. Because that's what Mexico is. is yeah. It has so much potential and mm. I wanted to show it through my film. And lastly, I just think that we need to have this intercultural connection because yeah. we're filmmakers and yeah. if we can we all need to support each other yeah so if yeah. we can like you know cross cultures through mm-hmm. filmmaking that would be amazing yeah absolutely so what's the dream for your film are you going to submit it to festivals yeah uh, is it a proof of concept for a um what's it called a feature in any way yeah so i want to this is a festival piece right i want it to be a standalone story but that sets a tone and mood for maybe potential work that I can do eventually. Mm-hmm. As I said, the book of my uncle is full of memories, yeah. full of very interesting <laughs> content. Yeah. So in a perfect world, I would love to maybe continue that. Of mm-hmm. course, like talk to my uncle and see if he's interested. Yeah. Um, if he wants his life <laughs> being a biopic. <laughs> but um, I wanted to set this as a proof of concept for tone and stories. Right. Yeah, I just try to land cans or something amazing right. like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like for me just a test that I can direct something special. Yeah. And if you ask me, what do I, you asked me before, what do I want to do? Um, I want to stay here for at least a year more. Okay. Gotcha. And see what I can do. Yeah. Uh, land a job. By here, do you mean the US or do you mean yeah. Savannah specifically? The US or Savannah. Whether okay. the job application Ooh. lands. You know, so I, I'm like <laughs> in the I, clouds. I have not related to that more than right now. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. I want to go where the work is. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to apply to New York. New York would be right. amazing. I love that city. Mm-hmm. Is I don't know, something about it. And uh, but I love Savannah so much as well, yeah. and I know the work is coming here, mm-hmm. and I know the city by heart now. I location scout for That's four true. years, so if anyone out there is an independent filmmaker and wants to hire a location scout, it she's right here. I'm right here. Contact info in the description. <laughs> yes, so I know Savannah by heart. I can do that, um, and I can start making connections here mm-hmm. a little easier than like just landing in a new city. Right. But I also know a lot of alumni that just moved to New York. So mm-hmm. yeah. I would love to just hang out with them. Yeah. Um, LA is not my vibe. Really? Okay. But I know producers usually just start yeah. there. So yeah. I'm not opposed. I love yeah. California. They have much better weather yeah, than the true. East Coast. <laughs> that's true. But I think the world is my limit. I mm-hmm. want to apply to places in in, in London. Mm-hmm. Um, I know SCAD has this atelier program that takes you back to Lacoste, and that's where mm-hmm. I really found myself as a writer director. Okay. So going back to Lacoste will be amazing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, whatever the job wherever takes it me, goes. yeah. But definitely taking it back home wouldn't yeah. be a problem either for me. Yeah. I just want to continue telling stories. Yeah, absolutely. And I. I think I describe myself as an adventurous filmmaker mm-hmm. that um, will make it based on location. 
I right. have so much to say. I just need to have a place that right. can tell that story. Right. So um, when are y'all shooting? Um, so the plan is to shoot in spring break. Okay, sweet. So yeah, yeah. we want to finish casting this winter break, mm-hmm. finish pre-visualization, video boards, yeah. um, buy all the art department mm-hmm. um, crafts and details, and then fly back. Okay. Do some last rewrites, work with my DP, really craft the color palette, really craft yeah. the visual structure, and then go on spring break, fly one day, prep camera the other day, shoot it for three, have a pickup day. That's the same schedule that we're doing for mine. There we, have, we go. We're, 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 we have one travel day, one prep day, three shoot days. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's all it you works. need. It's a good system. Exactly. It's a yeah, good system. Out there, guys, just write no, right now your notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all you need. All you no need. No matter pages. How many pages it is. Three shoot days. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you do have that four day that is just like contingency day. Like if anything right. didn't land it. Yeah, exactly. And then a fifth day, you know, eat tacos and have a wrap party. Exactly. Um, And last fly back home yeah. to start the spring quarter and <laughs> edit the hell out of this. Yeah. Um, we do need to talk to our professor about shooting spring quarter. Right. Yes, we do need yep. to do that. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow whenever our class is. Yes. <laughs> Pitch that should. idea. Um, real quick. So with your actors, are you trying to find people that are bilingual? No, they okay. don't need to be. The actors, no. But gotcha. my crew that I've been crafting since the summer, mm-hmm. it is bilingual. Like it's friends and uh, fam. Oh, yeah. okay. So, okay, gotcha. Because I was wondering if there was, if you were worried at all about communications, communication with the crew. Like, if your DP was like trying to get your actor to turn like her face or whatever, you know, communicating no, that idea. It's really common for a lot of people to know English in Mexico. Okay. I mean, not like especially in the city in Guadalajara, yeah. like a lot of people at least know how to say hi, hello, and the <laughs> yeah. basics. So yeah. I don't think that's going to be a huge issue, but that's why we are flying the skeleton crew. Right. Because this is people that we have been working with for four years now. We yeah. know their ins and outs. And that's why the first AC is Lyle and George are yeah. the power duo. So that's all he needs. And then right. whatever else, um, we're going to have my... First AD is bilingual. We're going to have gotcha. our line producer, Gaston, who is bilingual, yeah. and myself. And I think that should tackle it. Um, but wow. other than that, the art department, hopefully the people that we get can communicate. If not, you know, this is going to be a learning experience for everybody. Oh, absolutely. Duolingo, right? <laughs> <laughs> you should totally try to get a sponsorship from Duolingo. <laughs> What Maybe. if they like? What if they give you like a six-figure deal? Maybe and that'd be pretty know. incredible. I try to like talk to the airline companies, like, hey, oh yeah, we want to take this very cheap flight of yours yeah. and make it cheaper because yeah. there's this random like direct flight from Charlotte, North Carolina, to my city, Guadalajara, oh, wow. for two hundred thirty-one dollars. Oh wow! Direct flight from Charlotte to Guadalajara. Wow. So that's Charlotte's the one that we're Charlotte's not a big taking. place. That's crazy. I know. Like, I don't like, understand. Like, how many people from, from Charlotte are going there? All the Mexicans that apparently <laughs> live there. Um, <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, George did the test because that's a flight he took. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of cheap. $200. And maybe yeah. 31 It depends on the Tuesday or Wednesday you're buying Yeah, totally. The day you're buying it. Wow. But um, yeah, so if you guys want to come and you're gripping electric, just... Shoot me a message. Yeah, exactly. $231. Yeah. I do know, I've heard that there's this trick where you can 
not trick as in it's legal, but it's like totally legal where you can create some like media credentials and then you can get like checked bags for free if it's like media equipment. So look into that. I don't know what the airline is, but that's something that I've seen like in tips and tricks videos for like photographers and filmmakers like if you have a business card, you know, that says like Artigas and Company or whatever the whatever it is, um then with some airlines you can just say, "Hey, I'm media. I need to check my camera bag and you'll get it for free or reduced price or something so look into that but that could save you a lot of money i will do so, that <laughs> i've never tried it because i've never needed to but um i remember seeing that in a in a youtube video and thinking like that could very well come in use someday um well this is going to be really exciting i can't wait to see like how this ends up um you're the first person that i've interviewed that is shooting their thesis in another country so I think that's going to be really cool. And um, I wish I spoke Spanish because I wish I could come and just see the process. I just want to like be on set and watch y'all just like make it happen because I think it's going to be really cool. Um, Thank you. I hope you have a good BTS photographer. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well, yeah. One of those things is like I have a dream team for documentary um, right. that we went to St. Croix mm -hmm. in spring to shoot this bioluminescent bay. Yeah. And I told them like, hey guys, like if you want to fly and document yeah. it, like I would love that. Hell yeah. Um, and that's another thing, like if you guys donate, like the more we can fundraise for this team, we can yeah. fly more aspiring filmmakers that want to see the process. Like that's mm -hmm. what I was saying. Like I want this project to be a proof of concept mm -hmm. for independent filmmakers to come and see that. Mm -hmm. possibilities yeah so the more we can help yeah. students come and see the process the more they're going to be confident and the future of filmmaking can you know gear to this international yeah. uh, opportunities um so we might have to be considering on the skeleton crew or bts i don't mm -hmm. know yeah it depend depends on the budget right um if not i have amazing friends I mean, my friend Slav, he's mm. definitely joining the team yeah. and he can be our BTS photographer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's going to be very, very scary. <laughs> but, I think it's good. Like, it's a good stress. Yeah, you it's, a, I mean? it's a good stress. Yeah. Um, as long as the story can be there and, yeah. and we can communicate something meaningful, yeah. um, then it should be there. But yeah. something that I, I don't know if you're going to use it, but I mm. do want to say is the reason why I want to tell this story is because I feel that a lot of Mexican film is considered to be kind of in your face and raw and like maybe eccentric to an extent. Hmm. But um, coming of age is something that everybody can relate to. Yeah. So I wanted to take that kind of theme of coming of age that we have seen in some American movies, but have it a different twist hmm. okay. and give it that charm that I felt when I was going and growing up visiting the ranch of my family mm -hmm. um, that I don't see that often on a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Call Me call me By Your Name had that kind of interesting charm by the location, but just the rustic feel and charm of the location because mm -hmm. the landscape is going to be a character. Oh, absolutely. The environment is going to be a character. Yeah. So that's kind of another additional thing that of why I wanted to tell this story in Mexico mm -hmm. to sh to see Mexico through a, another lens mm -hmm. and not just that yellow color filter 
like in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yeah, where everything is just as yellow as possible when they're in Mexico. Yeah, I want to yeah. show this other face of Mexico that we mm. haven't really seen. I mean, Roma was, was in black and white. Right. <laughs> uh, so that was interesting. But yeah, I want to like just have this interesting and beautiful story that can relate to anyone that is just in another place that might encourage anyone to go there and visit. That's amazing. I think that's a fantastic goal. And if you want to support that goal, it'll be the first link in the description, her Indiegogo campaign. Uh, and if you ever do a Kickstarter, I'll update uh, the description uh, for that. If anyone is listening to this in 2020, if you are, hello, I hope you're doing well. Um, Lucy, thanks so much for sitting down with me. This has been a bunch of fun. I know it's a busy time for everybody, <laughs> but I appreciate you taking the time to sit and talk. And uh, yeah, I look forward to having you back on when you've wrapped and seeing how the process went. That would be amazing. Yeah. Talking about all that crazy things yeah. we did. I'm sure you'll have many crazy stories. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you for listening. I hope I was interesting and my accent was not too strong. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.